Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, please visit us at ConsumerGuide.com. Be sure to check out our all-new 2021 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You will also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of other fun car-related stuff. And if you have missed an episode or two of the Car Stuff podcast, you can stream back episodes right there at ConsumerGuide.com. I'm sure you want to do that. Hey, any questions or comments, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Trucks Plus SUV Talk and the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. Welcome, Jill Simonillo. Hello. Hey, Jill. Hey, how are you doing this week? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, it's actually uh, a nice day as we're as we're recording today. I'm going to have to go spend some time outside, so I'm excited about that. The sun is shining. If if I'm I if I believe your social media, you are media, you are driving a very large truck this week. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I am driving a very large truck this week, and um, it's entertaining in in the city of Chicago. Yes. We're going to be talking much more about that truck in a little bit, so hold that thought. Yes. All right. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, and he's a curling instructor at the local VFW Hall. Welcome, Damon Bell. I actually really want to try curling. Do you? Yeah. It looks looks kind of – I watched it on whatever Winter Olympics, and I have to admit I did get kind of sucked into it. I, I still think that the whole broom thing is more magic than reality, but I don't know. That's the frantic sweeping to kind of coax yes. the, the puck or the – what do they call that thing? It's not a puck. But the, the stone. The, 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 yes, stone? the stone. Okay, yes, the stone. Yeah. I, I've, I've actually tried curling. It is not as easy as you would think it is. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I don't think what, it's easy. <laughs> what, what part, what part did, were you one of the sweepers or did, were you the one that let it go or? I, 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 I don't even think it's correct terminology, but I, I threw the stone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and by throw the stone, I mean, gave it just a little shove. Yeah. <laughs> there was no lift in that thing. Did you have any success? Like, did you get to knock out the other thing or get, I don't even know how you get points. Yeah, no. Uh, well, it's kind of like a, a shuffleboard on ice, right? Um, right, right. But uh, no, I, I, I did very badly. Hmm. Uh, and, and, but they brought in a professional curler to show us how it was done. And then you feel like a complete failure because you're like, that looks so easy and I can't even make it move like a foot. Okay. I like so, the professional so, curler. So where did you do this? Uh, it was at a an event for I, I believe it was Michelin, and oh, okay. um, so it was like an ice driving event. And we were we w- so this would have been a couple years ago, and we were at Notre Dame uh, at their ice rink and um, testing cars on ice. And so they you know kind of showing us the properties of mm. ice and stuff like that. They brought in a curler and showed us how to curl. There you go. Well, yeah. now you have a skill that we don't. <laughs> I wouldn't call that I have the skill. I failed miserably at something yeah. you haven't tried. Has, How's that? <laughs> she has an experience we don't. Yes. All right. It's not quite a resume line. No. All right. Hey, our guest today is Carl Lally. Carl is the senior brand manager for the Ram 1500 pickup, including the new and somewhat extreme Ram TRX, which we will be discussing today. You don't want to miss it. What's that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you could take off the somewhat. I think you could <laughs> call that extreme. <laughs> as, a, as a journalist, I'm giving, I'm giving to to tempering yes. uh, hyperbole, but yeah, let's just call it extreme. We'll call yes. it extreme. 
All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You don't want to miss this conversation. Oh, man. So, Damon. Yes. Damon, a little bit of news out of the Chicago Auto Show offices. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. It's uh, yes, nothing official at this. Well, the official thing is that the February, the traditional February dates for the 2021 Chicago Auto Show are not surprisingly, in light of COVID, not going to happen this year. Yeah. So the folks that put on the Chicago Auto Show has have officially made the announcement that February 2021 is not going to happen, uh, and they are just they they haven't even locked down a specific date yet. They are just saying spring. 2021. So we had uh, the CATA, that's just Chicago Automobile Trade Association uh, executive Dave Sloan to talk about this on our mm -hmm. show a few weeks back. And it <laughs> that wasn't all that long ago. And it's remarkable how much things have changed in the ensuing month or so. Um, but yeah, bottom line is no February Chicago Auto Show and at this point, no specific date. It, it, we're just, uh, they're just projecting spring 2021. Yeah, we're actually going to be talking more about this next, next week, probably. I think someone from the Chicago Automobile Trade Association will join us because this is going to be an action-packed year if Chicago, New York, Detroit, and L.A. actually manage to all squeeze in shows yeah. starting early <laughs> summer or late spring. It's going to be busy. Yeah, yeah. And we've we've had the we've kind of talked offline about, you know, frankly, like the traditional auto show was in uh, a state of transition, to put it charitably, even before COVID hit. Yeah. Uh, and and just the, you know, the, the purpose auto shows serve has changed quite a bit. And, and the reason for being has changed quite a bit with the. Uh, you know, the rise of the internet and everything happening virtually. Um, and of all the auto shows, uh, be a little bit of hometown bias here, but Chicago's auto show is really a consumer show that mm -hmm. in a better way than the others, uh, there's always kind of components. You've got the press reveals and the stuff that the, the media covers auto journalists, but then those public days are for, you know, uh, the general public to get down there and kick some tires. And that's something that uh, Chicago's auto show has always excelled at. So yeah, I, the, the journalist uh, press reveal end of it doesn't seem to have a particularly rosy future, frankly, but that, you know, there might be an even greater appetite for the public to get out there and experience, you know, I think so. Vehicles in one stop yeah. in a one-stop shop, you know, venue in person. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, you see, so you talk about the the changing landscape of the auto show, and I think that the change is really just happening on the media side. I don't think that the consumer is going to notice the change, frankly, Agreed. because mm -hmm. the the reveals can certainly be virtual, but the consumer isn't going to see the reveals anyway. At the end of the day, they want to go and then see the shiny car on the turntable that's already been revealed. They don't care about the pomp and circumstance. It's the journalists who are moaning and complaining about, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I used to see uh, this Jeep come out of a box and we're not seeing that anymore. <laughs> but, but that's, that's not what it's about for the consumer. And, and I think, right. and, and again, probably hometown bias here, the Chicago auto show is frankly the best auto show out there because they have the Jeep test track, the Toyota test tracks, the Dodge test track, the Kia test yeah. track. Like there's all of these test tracks that people can sit in the car, feel how it, you know, drives, go over obstacles. Uh, they can then take test drives from below uh, the McCormick place. And and so, you know, I think that I could see the consumer side of it getting even better and, and maybe the consumers will see that, but I, I don't, I don't see the consumer side changing uh, that much. I, yeah. I, I don't see it getting better. I think the change is happening on the journalist side and, and yeah. consumers don't really care about that. And, and, and in addition to all the consumer uh, uh, benefits you mentioned, I, I can't let it go without saying churros and fudge. <laughs> churros and fudge. There are delicious oh. churros and fudge that you can get. At that. That's always a high point of the auto show season for me, Chicago Auto Show for me, is the churros and fudge. <laughs> I was in a band in high school called Churros and Fudge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. I don't know. I was thinking of the craft beer night, but you know, yeah, the perfect example. They, yeah, the Chicago auto show does such a great job of getting interesting events, uh, within that, uh, arena that, you know, even if you're not a hundred percent interested in cars, there's so much to do and see there. It's quite a destination. Yeah. Heck of an event. Heck of a thing. I used to go there as a kid and spend three, four, five hours there. Anyway. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. Jill, you just wrote a story about a new Acura. What's that story? Yeah. So, um, you know, as we're talking about the launch of um, or the auto show season where you t- typically see launches of new vehicles, uh, Acura revealed yesterday the new MDX, or maybe it was two days ago now. Uh, all, day, all days kind of blend together at this point. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Acura MDX, and this is going to be the next generation of the vehicle. It's on an all-new platform, and it gets some styling tweaks. It gets some technical upgrades, and it will get a couple of really cool new features. And you know, for those who aren't familiar with the the MDX, this is their big SUV. It's three rows, seat seven, and uh, it's typically their flagship SUV. And a couple of years ago, they they launched the RDX, and it was like the new. Uh, I think they're calling it like the precision. Uh, precision crafted cockpit or precision styling. Um, and, and now the MDX kind of adopts this design language. And so in the pictures that I've seen, it looks really slick. It's going to start under $50,000. I think the starting price is about $47,000. And uh, it gets, a, and, and that's about $2,000 more than the outgoing model, but it gets a lot of new technology. It looks really nice. And um, there's some really cool things on it. You know, one of the, the things I read about the the new MDX, which I, it might be it might be a, a point made for the point sake of making a point, but that the MDX is now the Acura flagship because the RLX, their large sedan, mm-hmm. has been discontinued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's be frank, no one has thought about the RLX in ten no. years. No, uh, that is. I'm not really sure how that car was even positioned, but the MDX has been nudged up market slightly. As oh, you yeah. mentioned, the price is up by two grand. But Jill, the big news here too is a new fun engine that's coming. Oh yeah, no. So the um, it, it won't. So the MDX will be available in at the beginning of February with the the. It, it basically it's the same engine that it had in the previous generation, but they are going to be getting a cool new performance variant. And it'll be called the Type S. And this will have a up-level 3.0-liter turbocharged V6 engine. It'll deliver 355 horsepower and 354 pound-feet of torque. They haven't really released a lot of details about it. Other than that, it'll have standard all-wheel drive uh, and and some up-level amenities, including massaging front seats. Uh, But other than that, we don't know a lot about it other than it's going to be really cool. Hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Devin. Yeah, um, the the MDX is 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 usually a perennial uh, consumer guide best buy pick. We should point right. out that this is this new fourth generation uh, model that they've just uh, revealed is is a 2022. So they're actually, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that that manufacturers seem to do this a fair amount where they skip a model mm-hmm. year. Uh, when a new vehicle comes out, so there is or a new generation vehicle at least, uh, and there are no 2021 MDX models. So this new generation launches as a 2022. Um, I'm very anxious to drive it because, yeah, again, the this the MDX has long been a uh, favorite of ours in the uh, premium midsize SUV market, and one of the feathers in its cap that even though, as you guys mentioned, the price goes up a little bit with this new generation, it's still it sounds weird to say something that hovers around 50k is bargain priced, but in the premium midsize SUV segment, that really is bargain price when you start looking at what Audis and BMWs cost. And uh, uh, in a lot of ways, as I go over the specs of this MDX, it looks like the three-row SUV version of the. TLX sedan that was launched uh, for this year. Uh, a lot of the same kind of styling motifs and uh, infotainment interfaces uh, just getting transferred to that larger three-row SUV platform. 
Yeah, yeah. And the, the MDX has always impressed me as is remarkably well balanced, and it's part of the reason I think that it always ends up on the Consumer Guide Best Buy list. It it it's sort of an economy version, and I mean this in the best possible way, of the BMW X5, in that it is innately sporty. The cabin is very nice, but it is still incredibly comfortable. It rides well. It's quiet. The interior is nicely finished. It's just a really good deal. And again, Damon, to your point, yeah, something fifty or sixty thousand dollars doesn't sound immediately like it's a good deal, but the fact is, you can load up a BMW X5 or a Mercedes-Benz GLE oh, yeah. to get yep. very close to a hundred grand if you're not careful. So, yeah, in fact, it's an incredible bargain. Right. Yeah. Oh, and there are a lot of standard features that they're including on this. So like the panoramic moonroof is standard. Wireless charging is standard. Wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are standard. Traffic Jam Assist is standard. So um, all of those things I anticipate would be like $100 to $3,000 option on the BMW. So, I, I mean, it's definitely got a lot of value. And, you know, one one thing I did want to mention but before we wrap this up is one of the cool features is going to be, I call it a magic middle seat. And basically it's the center seat of the second row that is removable. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of cool. I, I, I mean, you've seen seats that are removable in a minivan, but I don't know that I've ever seen a middle seat that's removable. And, you know, as Acura was pointing out in the press release, it's really good if you have like two car seats. It creates an easy way for access to the third row by, you know, just climbing through the middle, uh, but also giving more passengers like space if, if you only have six passengers instead of seven. But I, I just wanted to mention that really quick. That's kind of a cool new feature I haven't seen on anything before. Well, thank you. Cool. So the Acura MDX for 2022, the 2022 model year on sale spring this year. Is that correct, Jill? Spring uh, 21. Yeah, well, spring 21. The, the we still have, we still have a few weeks left in this godforsaken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. February 2nd is the date that I heard that the MDX is dropping into dealers. And then you will see the sport variant, the Type S, come in the summer. Sounds good. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we talk to Carl Lally of Ram. You don't want to miss this conversation. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. All right. He's been part of the Fiat Chrysler team since it was known as the Daimler Chrysler team. He's been part of the Ram Group since 2010 and is now senior brand manager for the 1500 pickup. He knows an awful lot about pickup trucks, and that's why he's joining us today. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Carl Lally. Carl, how's it going? It is going great. Thanks for having me. Carl, where are you calling us from? I am in, uh, in Michigan, in the Detroit area, uh, working from home like the rest of our company. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to do this stuff from home, but we're, we're getting so used to it, I think it's going to be weird to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's no longer a novelty. It's become the norm a bit. So, yeah, sometime next year, we'll have to get readjusted to actually going into the office again. <laughs> it's going to be strange. Now, Carl, there's been a lot going on at RAM lately, but, but take us up to date. What is the big news for RAM for 2020 and 2021? There's been a ton going on, of course, and I think the uh, the tip of that spear has got to be the all-new Ram 1500 TRX, which is uh, kind of taking the truck world by storm as we speak. And, um, you know, just recently, uh, we were fortunate enough to win the Motor Trend Truck of the Year for the third consecutive time as a brand. So really nice. kind of on a roll here for Ram lately. Yeah, two years ago with the Ram 1500, last year the Heavy Duty, and now the TRX, so... We managed to pull off a three-peat, and it's just, um, you know, it's just been a, a sign of the success that we've been fortunate to enjoy. For people who don't know, tell us about the TRX. This is, this is, uh, I had, I had re- referred to the vehicle earlier as mildly extreme, and Damon corrected me because the vehicle is fully extreme. But for, <laughs> people, for people who don't know, tell us about the Ram 1500 TRX. Yeah, it's, it's not a whole lot mild about it, I would say. It's. Uh, simply put, we describe it as the quickest, 
fastest, most powerful truck in the world. And it was really designed from the ground up to be the benchmark for extreme off-road performance and really continuing what Ram has been doing in the off-road truck space. And just uh, an unbelievably well-performing truck, kind of over the top in terms of power, 702 horsepower, 650 pound-feet of torque, uh, zero to 60 in four and a half seconds, the top speed of 118 miles per hour. It is just, uh, we call it the apex predator in the truck world. <laughs> yeah, the thing is absolutely crazy. We sent one of our guys on the road to drive the thing, and he came back incredibly impressed. What What is the market for this vehicle? Who are you selling this vehicle to, and who can make the best use of all that performance? That's a great question because it's a really uh, unique marketplace that we're playing in with this truck. Clearly, you have the enthusiast buyer. Uh, anybody that gets uh, excited about a supercharged heavy Z8 under the hood, we're going to grab their attention, and they're going to they're want to know everything they can about this truck and just feel the experience of, of getting behind the wheel. So there's buyers that are in that space that um, take their trucks off-road, they like going to places like Glamis, for example, out in California, even maybe the dunes of western Michigan, if you're familiar with that, on Lake Michigan, and let um, um, their trucks kind of get out in the wild and enjoy what the truck can do on its own. And they may also be towing toys with them, dirt bikes and side-by-sides and things of that nature. So it's going to appeal squarely to that buyer. And then on the other hand, we've got a, a growing contingent of buyers that are luxury truck buyers that want the coolest, the most powerful, the most impressive vehicle that they can get their hands on, either as a second vehicle, as a toy, or as their day-to-day driver. And the TRX is going to be able to meet both of those needs. Yeah, when you're when you're talking demographically, so your your title is senior brand manager, and I'm curious to get your perspective. Uh, it's just I've noticed like within these past you know five or so years, especially, there's just been this huge uptick in off-road performance. Obviously, there's the the Ford Raptor, F-150 Raptor, and you guys have the, or Jeep has the uh, Wrangler, the, the I'm sorry, the uh, Gladiator Mojave. And there's this, it just seems like the, the snowball is really picking up speed with this off-road performance market. I think like Toyota TRD models as well. Do you, do you have a perspective on what you think might be driving that? Is it just something as simple as, as buyers are discovering how much fun it can be to go barreling through the desert? Or, or is it, what's driving that trend, do you think? I think it's been a bit of an uh, iterative process for customers. So, for example, uh, we offer a 4 by 4 off-road package that you can get on any trim level of our Ram 1500. And that gives you heavy-duty shocks and skid plates and hill descent control and uh, altering tires and a, a little bit of a lift to the suspension. So it kind of is your ready-made, I've got the desire to get off-road. And as customers have adopted those packages and gotten comfortable with them, it naturally kind of opens their eyes to what's around the corner, and that's customers that like to customize the truck a little bit more, uh, go even larger with the tires that they're putting on it. And that's really what led us to introduce the Rebel that we introduced on the previous generation of the Ram 1500. It was sort of this straight-from-the-showroom floor, customized version of an off-road truck. And it's, uh, again, customers uh, kind of open their eyes to what that space affords them and the different places where those trucks can be enjoyed. Uh, the idea of performance and the, I guess, familiarity with uh, the performance aspect of off-roading has kind of grown within the customer's awareness set as well. And, and that's uh, really what uh, leads even further to that next step, which is where the TRX comes into play. Um. So as, I mean, you've mentioned that there's a, there are a lot of trucks that are kind of moving into this space. And I've, I've had the TRX for maybe a couple of days at this point, and I've been posting a lot of videos on TikTok. And I have, it has sparked a lot of conversations between like Ford and Ram fans. Uh, and, and the primary question I'm getting, and I'm just wondering if you could address this, is how is the TRX different from the Raptor and how is it positioned differently from the Raptor? Is it this, you know, is it the same? 
natural question for sure. And, and I'm hoping that after uh, a few days of driving it, you'll be able to articulate this as well as uh, I'll attempt to. But uh, you know, one of the things that we learned when we rolled out the concept of uh, Rebel TRX back in 2016, we unveiled it at the State Fair of Texas in September of 2016. And the response was incredible. And one of the things we heard loud and clear was build it with the V8. They absolutely were in love with the V8. We've heard mm-hmm. consumers, even from the day we've rolled the, the wraps off of this truck back in August, thank you for putting the V8 in it. You know, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. So obviously that's one natural distinction. A mm-hmm. 6.2 liter supercharged Hemi V8 has a different sound to it. It has a, mm-hmm. uh, certainly a different uh, visceral experience. When you hear the supercharger whine and the rumble of the V8 together, there's an emotional connection that happens with the vehicle. And I mm-hmm. think the other piece of it too it's just the, uh, the experience inside the truck shouldn't be overlooked. You know, the, the engine grabs a lot of headlines as well. It should with that kind of power and, and, uh, and performance that it puts out. But the experience inside the truck is amazing. Uh, everything from um, the way we've used the technology of the 12-inch infotainment screen to display performance pages and the different drive modes and kind of let your brain get tickled on that aspect of it, of interacting with the technology it creates a whole different experience than our competitive truck does from uh, both an emotional connection and just an overall um, uh, intellectual connection. Carl, I've got a question here based on something you had said earlier. Jill had mentioned the Raptor, and of course we know that the Hummer is coming out soon. Uh, this will be a, an all-electric, high-performance pickup truck of sorts. And, and now the, uh, the TRX it, is the performance truck a new niche, and what is it replacing? Are people passing on what was the traditional sports car or the traditional premium luxury car, and, and where are these shoppers coming from? We've seen customers coming into our Ram 1500, talking about the non-TRX model for, for just a moment, uh, coming in from SUVs, coming in from luxury cars. It was really interesting two years ago, three years ago now almost, uh, introducing the all-new Ram 1500 for the 19 model year and seeing customers trading in high-end luxury sedans because the sure. interior on a Limited, for example, had just as much luxury, if not more. Uh, Gorgeous. So enjoy that. Yeah, it, the, the fit and finish and materials were second to none. So they could get that luxury experience while enjoying the, the rounded-out capability of the truck. Uh, and so the TRX is really kind of a performance extension of that. We've seen consumers coming in from performance sedans and coupes uh, kind of trading in those types of vehicles for this. It can be an incremental buy for some of those buyers that are into that space already and maybe own multiple high-performance vehicles. So it's it's really been a combination of folks that are new to the pickup segment and folks that have just been waiting for kind of this high-performance variant of a truck to come to market. Hmm. Now, uh if we were to take a deep dive into all the engineering specs of the TRX, we would be here for five hours. So we can't, we can't do that. But there is one uh, feature that I need to ask about because I don't think I've ever seen uh, uh, this uh, a, such a, an option or a feature on a vehicle. And that is the TRX's jump detection system. (laughs) So obviously this is a vehicle that is intended to catch some air, get airborne. So I'm curious if you could just give us a nutshell view of what the jump detection system is and what it does. Yeah, so it's uh, it's something that I got to be careful with because our attorneys get a little nervous about taking this truck airborne. But it's been uh, been a lot of fun. My engineering colleagues will point out that you know their jobs are not the worst in the world when they have to test these types of things and validate them. But very simply, the way the system is designed is the truck has uh, sensors and computing on board so that it knows when the wheels are off the ground. And so it makes adjustments uh, to the suspension system, to the drivetrain, to account for when that vehicle comes back in contact with the earth. So it knows that it's going to have certain pressure forces applying the suspension system. And with the adaptive uh, suspension system we have on the truck, it can change the amount of compression that's getting applied to those uh, shocks and be able to kind of catch the landing, if you will. It also will um, effectively sort of allow the drivetrain to freewheel so that you're not hitting a lot of tension and putting a lot of torque Uh, on the drivetrain when you come back down to the ground. And mm -hmm. it's really the combination of that that allows for a very soft landing if you do find yourself above the ground. Wow. 
So I'm, I'm having visions of trying to test this over speed bumps in Pop Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not. But like that's what's going through my head right now. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder how that would react over a speed bump. <laughs> yeah, it's a little faster than a speed bump. I mean, it's, uh, we like to point out the fact that this vehicle was engineered. There's been a lot of off-road pickup trucks in the past, and uh, many of them are designed to kind of do low-speed crawling and rock crawling and, there's a lot of cool stuff that our brothers at Jeep, brothers and sisters at Jeep, you know, do very well, obviously, within that space. This is kind of a totally different space. This is about going 100 miles per hour in a desert kind of off-road environment yeah. and being able to soak up the terrain as you're doing that. So it, it's kind of a totally different animal in that respect. Hmm. Yeah. I will not go 100 miles per hour over a speed event <laughs> in Chicago. I, <laughs> I promise you that. But, but if she does, it'll show up on TikTok. <laughs> Carol, talk a little bit about pricing and and a question about dealerships. Will all dealers be carrying the TRX? Yeah, so every dealership uh, in America has the opportunity to order uh, a Ram 1500 TRX. They're all certified to be able to stock them and sell them. In fact, we committed to our dealer body when we uh, introduced the truck that uh, every dealer would have an opportunity to get one of these trucks scheduled for themselves in the first six months that we brought the vehicle to market. And we thought that was important that, um, you know, we want this truck to be available to customers and not put uh, fences around it that, uh, you know, prevent people from having access to it or anything along those lines. Cause it's a phenomenal way for us to continue to grow our brand and our brand presence and just introduce ourselves to new, to new customers and new markets. Um, we started the pricing at 69,995 plus destination. So uh, about 71 and change when you uh, when you pay the destination charge. And then we, we walk the price up from there, depending on the option level. We have two quick order packages, kind of a TR1 and a TR2. Uh, the TR2 package is uh, just under 8,000 bucks. And uh, that's really what we're seeing to be the most popular um, of, of the quick order packages on the truck. And, and this is really go, start, uh, goes back to the point about this being a, a high-end or luxury vehicle for some shoppers, and that you can start at around 70, which is not crazy for a pickup truck these days, mm-hmm. but you can load it up pretty nicely and really go upscale if you choose to. If you're checking all the boxes, uh, you're going to be in about uh, the mid-90s when it's all said and done, uh, depending on which of the Mopar accessories you, you find appealing. And Carl, is the TRX in showrooms now? So we're actually uh, just beginning to ship it here this month, and uh, we had told folks when we introduced it that we would get it out before the end of the calendar year, and it looks like we're on pace to do that, which is really fun. So, uh, yeah, look for us to kind of uh, maybe call a little bit of attention to that as VIN number one rolls off the line here in the very near future. And uh, start showing up at dealerships here before the end of the calendar year, those that are close enough to Michigan where we're building the truck. And then obviously as we get into Q1 of next year, it'll continue to ramp up from there. Sounds good. Now, Carl, Ram, kind of a singular brand at one point, at this point right now, really, for consumers, there's the 1500 pickup, and for commercial buyers, there's the heavier-duty version of that. And, of course, you guys do commercial vans as well. But the rumor mill is just full of buzz about a potential mid-size pickup. Now, I fully expect you to tell me that you don't comment on future products, but is there anything you can tell us about anything new that might be coming from Ram in the near future? Well, I don't comment on future products. You see that up too well. It, obviously, it's a, it's a natural question that we get quite a bit, and we've been there in the past. We have a legacy with our Dakota pickup truck going back to when Graham was really folded up underneath the Dodge moniker. And so uh, it, it's, a, it's a very natural question that we've been getting a lot a lot of inquiries about. Nothing to reveal at this point in time, but I would tell you we continue to look at the space. We continue to look at ways to leverage our brand in the spaces that make sense for us. Obviously, we have a very strong presence within the pickup space. And so as uh, as people uh, continue to show some interest in mid-sized pickups and products of that nature, we're going to keep our ear to the ground and stare very closely at that. Um, but nothing that I can reveal to you at this point in time. All right, Carl, for SEO purposes, we've staked out Dakota, so it would be handy if you stuck with that. (laughs) (laughs) We have two, so yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll, we'll keep that in mind, I guess, if we get to the point where we have to uh, pick a name for a yet-to-be-determined future product. But it's incredible <laughs> because that rumor mill has, has bubbled up, and, and the response has been really interesting. You have folks that still talk about their Dakota that they had from 15 years ago and how much they loved that truck and uh, what a great product it was for them at that point in time. So uh, it, it's always kind of fun to tap into those pools of uh, customer loyalty and just hear how passionate people get about your product. Absolutely. Well, Carl, we have run flat out of time, but we thank you for joining us today. Uh, Consumer Guide has written about the TRX. Jill, you have written about the TRX, so we will get those stories up right away and we will share them on our Facebook page. But Carl, thank you for your time today. We'll have to talk again soon. My pleasure. Happy to do it anytime. All right. He is Carl Riley and he's brand manager for the Ram 1500 pickup. We're going to take a break and be right back. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, a quick apology to WCPT listeners. Due to a programming error last week, we repeated our Best Buy show from two weeks ago instead of our scheduled visit with Patrick Olson of Carfax. The easiest way to hear the skipped episode of the Car Stuff podcast is to go to consumerguide.com and stream the episode there. Also, and this is key, if you miss the Carfax episode, you miss learning that Jill has no idea who Charlie Watts is. <laughs> that would be true. <laughs> So that that little cultural road bump, uh, people need to be aware of it. But Jill, yeah, Jill, you do social media stuff. What what is your Buzzlink handle? My Buzzlink handle, uh, yeah. So pretty much any social media I am on, uh, which is not Buzzlink, but uh, TikTok, oh. Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can find me at Jill Simonello. So just my my name, all one word. Uh, J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. Um, and I, I do have to put a small plug slash question out there for our listeners, because um, as we've mentioned, I am driving the Ram TRX this week that we uh, just discussed. And I have it in Chicago, and we're trying to come up with clever places for me to take the TRX in Chicago. So if you have a suggestion um, that you think might be doable, um, tweet at me and or send me a TikTok message or, you know, Instagram and let me know where you think I should take the Ram TRX in Chicago and film video about it. All right. <laughs> Damon. Yes. Damon, you're a buzzer. What's the scoop? Is that their official slogan at BuzzLink? Yes. Yeah, BuzzLink buzzers. No, not <laughs> I'm not I'm not on BuzzLink. I am on Twitter at Damon Bell likes cars. All right. Uh, there you go. It is car stuff power quiz time, kids. I hope you're ready. Oh, always ready. Just don't ask me who Charlie Watts is. I'm not, but I did ask you uh, who is Tina Weymouth? Really? <laughs> I had nothing. All right. All right. Tina Weymouth, of course, the famous legendary bassist for the Talking Heads. All right. The Car Stuff Power Quiz is brought to you by Twitter's Car Guy Tom. Give Tom a follow, won't you? <laughs> All right. Today's topic is fake models. Jill, the first question goes to you. Jill, which of the following was never a U.S. market Chrysler brand model? Are you ready? I think so. All right. Here are your choices. E-Class, Aspen, Conquest, or Arrow? Which was not a U.S. market Chrysler? A U.S. market Chrysler. And you're talking about like Chrysler, Chrysler, not Daimler Chrysler, right? Chrysler brand, correct. Okay, so could you read through those again? I can. Do you need me to? I do, in fact. You don't need All to right. read the question, just the answers. Right. Sorry, I'm getting snarky. E-Class? You are? <laughs> E-Class, Aspen, Conquest, or Arrow? So the reason why I asked about Daimler is the fact that the E-Class is a Mercedes, and at one point it was Daimler Chrysler. Um, I 
don't imagine Chrysler would have had an E-Class. I know there was an Aspen. I'll, I'll go with E-Class. All right. Damon, same question to you. E-Class. You guys are both wrong. <laughs> what? There was a 1983-1984 K-Car derivative called the E-Class. Oh, trick question. Not really. What, what were the other options again? Aspen, Conquest, and Arrow. Conquest. No. Yeah. Is Conquest? No. Oh, it's it's Arrow. Arrow, yeah. That was the Plymouth. <laughs> the Plymouth. Was the Plymouth. Oh. Last man standing. What 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 haven't we said, Arrow? No, that was a good <laughs> that was well crafted, well played, sir. All right. Damon, this question goes to you. Which of the following was never a US market Mercury model? Voyager, LN seven, Montclair, or Montreal? Can you read those again? Sure. Voyager, LN7, Montclair, or Montreal? I'm going to say Montreal. All right. Jill, same question to you. Yeah, Montreal is kind of my gut reaction as well. Um, although, now you said Voyager LM7? LN7. LN7. And then Montclair and Montreal. Yep. LN7 also seems weird. Um, and then I keep thinking Plymouth Voyager, but maybe that was a time that they broke okay copying names. Um, uh, Montreal was my first instinct. I'm going to go with it. Okay. You both picked Montreal, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. You are both correct. Good job. Yeah, Voyager was a wagon between 1957 and 58, and LN 7 was a little sports car that was a little bit like the Fiero. It was also a terrible piece of junk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, one and one. All right, question three goes to Jill. Jill, which of the following was never a U.S. market Chevrolet model? Epica, Spectrum, Love, L-U-V, or Prism? Hmm. All right, so my first instinct is love, but you said Epica? Epica, which sounds like a prescription injectable. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like something. Um, Epica or love is probably going to be my um, Chevrolet love, Chevrolet Epica. I'm going to go with love. Love, you're calling love the fake. Damon, same question to you. Epica, Spectrum, love, or Prism? Epica. Epica. Damon wins this round. Epica was actually a Canadian-based vehicle based on the Suzuki Verona, sold between 2002 or 2004 and 2006, just in Canada. Damon gets the point. So the Love actually existed? Yeah, the Love was a compact pickup built by a Suzu 4 Chevrolet. Love stood for light utility vehicle. Hmm. We'll see now there if you had said L-U-V rather than Love. I did. He did. He did. But yeah. You were spelling it out, I thought. I didn't realize you were saying L-U-V. I was thinking love, like Chevrolet love. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, the the word love is spelled L-O-V-E. This is L-U-V. But I thought he was being cute. No. Wow. dimensional chess that Tom plays. (laughs) Damon, the next question goes to you. Damon, which of the following was never a U.S. market Mitsubishi model? Tradia, Cordia, Precis, or Vision? Mm. Can you, I'm sorry, one, read those through again? Sure. Tradia, Cordia, Precis, or Vision? I will say the first one. Was that Tradia? Tradia. Yeah, I will say that. All right. Jill, same question to you. Tradia, Cordia, Precis, and Vision. Which was not a U.S. market Mitsubishi model? Yeah, I figure it has to be Tradia or Cordia. Because uh, they're too similar. Um, mm, Tradia. You guys both picked Tradia and you're both wrong. Oh. Yeah, the Tradia and Cordia were introduced to the U.S. market in 1984. They're the first vehicles <laughs> I ever pumped, first Mitsubishis I ever pumped gas into. Priestess was a tiny car based on the Hyundai XL, and of course, Vision was an evil 
contract between 93 and 97. We are stuck at 2-1. This is wait, exciting. Wait, which one? You can put it up. Which one didn't exist? Which one wasn't sold in America? The Vision was not a U.S. market. Vision. Okay. Got it. Huh. That's the one I would have said definitely was. Huh. Okay. All right, Jill, this question goes to you. You can tie it up on this question. Jill, which of the following was never a U.S. market Mazda model? Are you ready? Yes. Navajo, Stellar, MX3, or Tribute? Okay, I know the last three or two were. What were the first two again? Navajo and Stellar. <clears throat> Good grief. Uh, I've never heard of either of those. Um uh navajo all right damon same question to you navajo stellar mx3 tribute which is the fake mazda i will say stellar damon is correct for a three-year-old yeah the mazda i'm sorry the mazda navajo was based on the two-door 91 to 94 uh ford explorer okay they're rare sight today they did not sell well because they were just two doors kind of like the b-roll Damon wins this week. He gets an autographed copy of the quiz on his desk, but we'll still have to go to the bonus question for no particular reason. Damon, this question goes to you first. Damon, according to Statista.com, what is the most popular brand of mayonnaise in England? (laughs) Is it Hellman's Real, Hellman's Light, Heinz, or Dr. Benny's? Hmm. I don't know if Hellman's is a British brand, but I could see where Heinz might be, and I've never heard of Dr. Benny's. I'll take a wild guess and say Heinz. Jill, same question to you. Hellman's real, Hellman's light, Heinz or Dr. Benny's? Uh, and that would be mayonnaise, yes, mayonnaise. Uh, by the way. No, not mayonnaise, mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I, I don't know what you're doing there. Uh, I'm, I'm Britishizing it. Oh. Uh, it's very you know, I, I really don't like mayonnaise. Hmm. So, uh, and I lived in England for a year. I feel like I should know this, but I have no clue. Dr. Benny's is not a brand I've ever heard of, so I'm going to go with that. All right. It's actually Hellman's Real. So you both uh, both blew that one. Yes. Drat. All right. Damon, congrats on your quiz victory. Damon, as long as we're talking to you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what's going on in the CG Daily Drive blog this week? Uh, got our normal roster of great articles. Uh, as far as our new car test drives go this week, all performance vehicles at one level or another. It's kind of an interesting roundup. Uh, we span a pretty wide uh, uh, range in both price and uh, vehicle format. So we've got um, in a more mainstream category, we've got a, 20, a re- quick spin review of the 2020 Volkswagen Jetta GLI. That's the uh, turbocharged performance model of the Volkswagen Jetta. It's got a 228 horsepower turbo 2 liter. It's basically the Jetta uh, version of the well-loved Volkswagen Golf GTI hatchback. So nice, uh, you know, Mainstream compact car competes with the Honda Civic, Toyota Corolla, maybe a little bit more upscale all around than those with a price tag to match. And so the GLI is the performance version of, of the Jetta that uh, yeah was redesigned a couple of years ago and a uh, uh, nice uh, everyday performance vehicle. Uh, then uh, moving up a little bit further in price, we've got uh, a vehicle that is at the end of the road for its current generation, that's the 2020 Toyota 86 GT. Uh, we talked about the redesigned Subaru BRZ on the show a couple weeks back. Um, this is a accessible, uh, very small rear drive uh, compact sports coupe. Uh, you can kind of think of it as a, it's got a nominal back seat, but it's, you can kind of think of it as a hard top coupe version that competes uh, of the Mazda Miata, sort of a similar uh, 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 venue that it competes in. Um, and that is 2020 is the end of the David, road. Yes. Do you know how it's not similar to the Miata? <laughs> <laughs> How's that? I fit in it. Ah, <laughs> that's, that is, that is actually a great point because uh, the Mazda, the Miata RF uh, retractable hardtop, I 
it's too tight for me to drive comfortably with the top up. The <laughs> BRZ and the 86 are just spacious enough uh, to accommodate my 6.6 frame. So that is definitely something to point out. Um, just uh, big enough inside for a large fellow to fit in the front. You're not going to fit anybody much bigger than a small child in the back seats, though. AKA uh, me. Jill might be able to. <laughs> she would have the front seats forward. But, um, yeah, it's um, looking forward to the next generation of both the 86 and the BRZ. But I guess given that this vehicle is kind of a lame duck uh, vehicle at this point, you may be able to score a good deal on a new one that might still be in stock at a Toyota dealer. So it's worth checking that out. And then moving way up the uh, price and performance ladder, we've got a test drive review of the 2021 Mercedes-Benz AMG GLE 63S, which mm. is a super performance version of the Mercedes GLE class midsize SUV. Uh, turbocharged 4.0 liter V8, uh, 603 horsepower is all. So uh, it, it spots quite a bit to, it spots about 100 horsepower to that Ram TRX. Mm-hmm. Still a, astonishing uh, super. But it weighs, it weighs a ton less. So that, that's true. Yes. Uh, and it costs a ton more too. The, the price uh, of the test vehicle we had all in was $131,880. Uh, and that's what they generous load of options. So uh, those are our new vehicle test drives uh, for the week. And then we've got a couple gallery articles. Um, This is, Tom, this is an article that's right in your wheelhouse, of course. You did a gallery of co-branded cars. And (laughs) I think one that, that may not strike people as something right off the top of the head, but it's basically just means a tie-in like a Warner Brothers uh, Chevy minivan, where it's a, a, a marketing partnership. And so the the lead photo of this article is the Mercury Villager Nautica edition, if you remember. Was it Nautica? Legendary. Was it Legendary. <laughs> Legendary? <laughs> okay. You're using that term liberally, I would say. But a little bit, yeah. Yes, but um, and this is one I think everyone, well, not everybody, but lots of people my age have fond, ironic memories of. I remember a girl in my high school that had one of these. That's the uh, AMC Gremlin Levi's edition that had the <laughs> denim upholstery. Um, yeah, it's a whole. It's, it is pretty cool, and I I would wager that a Levi's Gremlin probably has a little bit of collector uh, interest in it these days. I bet it does. Yeah, maybe not 100% ironically either, because it's certainly a 70s nostalgic thing. Kids, as it always happens, we've run completely out of time. Quick mea culpa. Sam Fiorani, friend of the show, points out that last week when I said that that the Yugo was based on the Fiat 124, I was wrong. It was based on the 127. Only Sam knew that. But I stand corrected. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining this week. Special thanks to Carl Lally of Ram. Thanks, as always, to Jill Simonillo. Thanks to Damon Bell. And as always, thanks to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. As always, thanks to my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. You can reach out to us at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Hey, let's talk more about cars again next week. <laughs>